Welcome to Actually Best Choice Movies, the world's only movie podcast. I am one of your hosts. My name is Chris Chafin. Hi, everybody. I'm Caleb Shively, one of our hosts. <laughs> when are, <laughs> wait, so you mean we're one of our, like, our you and me hosts? Uh, yeah. You said your, I said our. Just one of our, okay. I mean, yeah, okay. Switch it up I mean, I, Give the people I, I something do. different. They could, be, they could be included in our, the people. Caleb, one of my favorite things about you is your commitment to switching it up and giving the people something a little different. And I do think sure. that is a core belief of yours. And I, I that's sure great. everyone go listen to every single episode and take stock. Write the Wikipedia page of this moment of the show on the. <laughs> okay, no, you lost it at that point. But <laughs> <laughs> um, so every welcome to actually best choice movies, the world's only movie podcast. Every episode, we tell you about two movies. One of them is old. One of them is new. But they're both like good movies if you know what i mean yeah Would you agree? Uh, there are th things that were uh told to you by a friend that were good or you saw that there was a word notice or uh, you just heard of it and been meaning to see it we uh there's a ton of those that's what movies are there's a ton of movies out in the world and we uh <laughs> give me give you some of those yeah uh i totally agree with that caleb and so this week the two movies are uh the power of the dog the new jane campion movie and the was it 2007 seven a great year yeah the assassination of jesse james by the coward robert ford um that's all this week on actually best choice movie he follies movies <laughs> i did i thought you forgot maybe but it's thank you very much movies <laughs> Uh, before we get to any of that, we were just, so these movies that we're talking about this week, Power of the Dog and Assassination of, Je of Jesse James, broadly, you could call them revisionist westerns, right? Like, they have a lot of yeah, other stuff it, going it, on, but that is that is part of what they are. It is part of what we are. They're more uh, recent uh, revisionist westerns. Uh, uh, revisionist westerns started happening probably early back as the uh, 50s and 60s. 60s is when it started uh, I think that's what I mean, you could say like Rio Bravo Rush. is like a revisionist Western, yeah. you know, like well, in a certain what way. Revisionist Western is, is uh, for uh, the people who don't know, uh, it's, uh, you know, just goes deeper than a regular Western to an extent, but also it's uh, Westerns in like the 40s and 50s uh, were just good guys versus bad guys and very, uh, that was a trope and they just made a bunch of muddies and uh, Hollywood was based around this. But then, you know, there's, a, there's like not right or wrong all the time that there's complicated people and that's what these they just shift the focus more to like uh just actual human aspects other than good versus evil which is you know stupid <laughs> uh they right, look right, at yeah. uh motivations and like states of minds to ultimately you know like to tell like a clearer picture of the history of the time uh, that's what it ends up doing is because you're looking at what men were actually like instead of just oh they uh shot native americans which is another reason why uh revisionist history uh, again, because it was very early films were very uh, negative actually, portrayals of Native Americans. Shooting Native Americans is not something that comes up in either of these movies, actually, not even a little bit, which yeah. is actually pretty interesting for a, a Western. But yeah, like this, so like you're saying, Caleb, like you were talking about how long a history re revisionist Westerns have. And it is interesting because Westerns were like one of the first genres of movies, right? Mm -hmm. Like there were 
silent Westerns, like many, many silent Westerns. And so even by like the 50s and certainly by the 60s, you've got people who are like playing with these tropes and, you know, turning things on their head, like interrogating something more deeply than it's usually interrogated, you know, trying to make a, a human character instead of some kind of stock cartoon character. And that's, you know, it's continued as a genre of movie for a long yeah, time. And it always feels kind of fresh because new eras are always looking at things from a new point of view, you know, uh, and to speak more to uh, the uh, more recent one, but it still happens. Like even recently this uh, past week, uh, there was an uh, uh, all black cast, The Heart of a Fall uh, Netflix. I didn't actually yes, see it yet, right. but, you know, Idris Elba, your man Lakeith is in it. But yeah, I, 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 there's a couple uh, great examples recently. I think uh, a very popular one was The Revenant. Uh, which is more like a man versus nature right, take yeah. on the uh, Western with just good filmmaking because brutal conditions to do it. Uh, but, you know, Bone Tomahawk, I think I've talked about on the show before. I, I like yeah, a lot. Yeah. Um, uh, uh, give it up for Girl Kelly. Uh, Meek's Cutoff is great. Uh, the Sisters Brothers uh, with Joaquin. Sisters and Brothers, great. Great movie. Yeah. Uh, very sad. Quentin. Revisionist Westerns are often yeah. very sad. Right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, even uh, uh, what was the one in '92? Like uh, Unforgiven, Dances with Wolves is a revisionist western too. Which I, I, I Dances yeah, with Wolves, has, a great movie. I, actually, a fucking yeah. great movie, dude. Have you watched that movie yeah, recently? That movie, yeah, it's good. not recently at all. No, it's it, it was holds one of the up. Tapes I mean, my uh, uh, grandma had when growing up, so like I watched it like young with like all the other tapes that she had. <laughs> I regret to inform you that Dances with Wolves <laughs> slaps. I mean, that is. <laughs> Um, yeah, it's an interesting, and it's like I was saying, you know, every, uh, the reason I think that it has staying power is that when you, when, when each new generation makes these, these movies, they're looking at things, new aspects of, of the experience. It's almost just like a, a, a time setting at this point, but it's also, there's something about the, like life or death stakes of everything and the, you know, the harsh environment and the feeling of living like completely beyond the rules Mm -hmm. in a certain way. Um, it's just a very, a very interesting time to to think about, and uh, it, it's it's an interesting place to to set stories. And the, uh, the even our bigger filmmakers, uh, Quentin Tarantino, lo- who loves movies uh, like The Hateful Eight, and even uh, I mean Django Unchained, uh, like those are like very much very informed by these movies, and he wanted to make those movies. He got like Sergio Leone to do the score and shit. And uh, right, right, right. I would even say uh, I don't know if it's. Um, uh, qualifies, but it is in Texas. Uh, there will be blood. When it is like, I don't know it's more of a, just like an old timey movie. I don't know, maybe that doesn't count, but it is like have some westernness to it. Uh, in the sake of getting oil, <laughs> it is. It's taking place on the frontier, yeah. right? I mean, like, what is it that makes a western? I mean, both of these movies. Well, the one has actual literal cowboys in it, um, but the other one is about like famous outlaws. Like, there is a train robbery in the movie, right? So these true. are both pretty clear signifiers yeah. of it being a Western movie. Um, there is like a new trope to uh, uh, the neo-Western, which is just taking all the uh, rules of like religious Westerns and Westerns and then applying it to uh, present day. Uh, I'm a big fan of Hell or High Water, but it all started oh, with... Yeah. Um, uh, no Country for Old Men, which is a, a, an outstanding movie. And uh, uh, yeah, I, I think even talking talk about pairings for Power of the Dog and other things, I brought up several Coen Brothers movies, uh, Battle of the Breaths of Scruggs, uh, uh, True Grit, obviously, is a, a, a literal religious western. It's a 
took a Western and revised it. <laughs> but yeah, uh, yeah, uh, great directors love Westerns, and we still get a genre that's still strong to this it, day. It perpetually, to me, seems about to, to die out, because I, I think there is a mm-hmm. kind of Western that Hollywood tries to make every five or ten years, where it's just like a straight-ahead, oh, yeah. like, hot hot movie stars like in yes, a in a true. western and those, and it's all yeah. those are always a disaster yeah, they always suck. Yuma, i would say is one of those uh yeah it's just like it's cowboys way versus aliens <laughs> cowboys versus aliens yeah it's just like two it's two bible on the nose west, yeah. it's two on the nose well don't talk shit about bible goes west <laughs> please that's a good movie i'm on american tale stand only mm, i mean okay but i don't know <laughs> i don't know yeah. if i agree we're not even going to get into the Saturday morning cartoon that uh, completely ruined everything. For Fievel? Yeah, man. Oh, I forgot there was a Saturday morning cartoon. I consider myself something of a Fievel completist, and I totally forgot about that. I just remember it because uh, I'm an, uh, an idiot, and that's why. <laughs> I, I mean, Caleb, who am I to disagree with you? You're an idiot, and you're right. Um, do you want to get into these movies? You want to talk yes, about Yes, I'm excited. Yes, so the first movie is 2021's The Power of the Dog. I wonder what little lady made these. I did, sir. (laughs) Well, Brother Phil? Power of the Dog is the new movie from director Jane Campion, uh, starring Benedict Cumberbatch, Jesse Plemons, and uh, Kristen Kirsten Dunst. It's Kristen Dunst, right? Or is it Kirsten? Hmm. Now I'm just blanking. I'm having that uh, moment of like, wait, what is it? Kirsten Dunst. What did I say? Kirsten. 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 Kirsten Dunst. Yeah, Kirsten Dunst. That is right. Um, and hold on, I click back to my notes. It's a surprisingly <laughs> twisty and taut psychosexual thriller that looks from the trailer like some kind of unrelentingly bleak movie about the cruelty of men um and you know from the trailer benedict cumberbatch looks like the world's biggest villain he looks so menacing and there is some of that in the movie but it's played way differently than you'd expect and this is because with someone like jane campion you know driving the project she directed it and she wrote it what we get is a much more like naughty story that keeps you very tense but it's also surprising you all the time you know um right up until the very last moment it's at once like difficult to say exactly what's going to happen next, but also things have this kind of like emotional inevitability that you just like understand on some kind of like lizard brain level all the time. Even if you're not sure like what event is going to transpire, it's like pretty obvious that like something bad is going to happen, you know? Um, So I also have to mention this movie has an, like an absolutely compelling and mysterious performance from Cody Smith McPhee, who is playing uh, Kirsten Dunn's son. He's a soft young man in a very hard world. He's got the, he's got this kind of crazy body, like not to be not to body shame or whatever, but he's got this crazy body where it's he almost is like Doug Jones like, where he's extremely lanky and thin, almost in a way that seems like impossible. Which is why he has done like Doug Jones style costume work he played nightcrawler in several different x-men movies and and also in a deadpool movie um but here that's put to like a completely different use making him seem like the most fragile thing in 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 the entire world and extremely otherworldly but like 
is is he really fragile <laughs> you know uh caleb i was surprised with not just how much i liked this movie but how much i enjoyed this movie um wh- how did you feel ooh, ooh, ooh. i was on a little bit of a jade campion kick uh so i was very excited for this movie uh she just has a like a, a deep understanding of uh where uh human impulse lies with, uh, within a person and uh, just has a tremendous talent for bringing that to the screen and like in this movie it's uh, masculinity is just a mask for this uh phil is wearing it, a benedict cumberbatch character it's he's using this masculinity as a show uh and like she just really the movie just shows how using masculinity as uh that way uh leads to like a real toxic version of masculinity and like ultimately how toxic masculinity like bleeds out and affects uh others uh, around the uh who are, are are exposed to it uh yeah there's like a real danger uh in uh phil uh, as portrayed here by benedict cumberbatch uh like how he is um like again and it extends to all these characters great performances across the thing but yeah yeah uh, just even like start at the, the beginning of it with with this uh uh it's him it's the first relationship so is him and his brother the jesse Cam- clemens character his brother's name is george uh and yeah phil is this talks masculine guy and george is the passive brother <laughs> that he yeah, yeah yeah so i i have a lot i have kayla i have a lot to say about what you're <laughs> talking about right here so right from the beginning you did say you were talking about this as being a toxic masculinity movie and like let me just before i go any further let me just say like i, I said in the in the intro that it's surprising and and it is like we're trying very hard not to spoil the movie because there are several different really big twists and turns and like some of them come kind of early and some of them come like literally in mm-hmm. the last seconds of the movie so like like it's it, it there are some things like maybe we're going to spoil and uh, some things we certainly won't spoil but like um, but yeah so you're you're talking about it being a, a toxic masculinity movie and i agree to a certain extent but like i was saying benedict cumberbatch is kind of it's set in the old west benedict cumberbatch and jesse Plemons co-own like a cattle ranch and just benedict cumberbatch is like the real like cowboy and jesse Plemons is like you know the guy who dresses fancy and mm-hmm. lives in a house um so, but Benedict Cumberbatch is like this big, mean, menacing cowboy, like a just an awful bully and like a really nasty seeming person. But I would say after not too long in the movie, the movie like scratches the surface of that and shows you that really maybe like number one, he is the victim of everyone else. And number two, in terms of things he actually does to anyone he doesn't do shit Ooh, to anybody that's not true <laughs> that's 100 percent true he's the, the movie explicitly shows him to be the wronged party in almost every situation that he's in being like victimized by other people and number two if you all he's really guilty of is being like playing the banjo menacingly <laughs> like he doesn't do anything he just says a that's couple of bitchy he says a couple bad. of bitchy things to people <laughs> Well, he, obviously he's a bad guy. You know, he, he says bitchy things are purple. He, uh, he, he, you, uh, don't, so, you don't think the movie changes to show him as being the victim. You don't. You don't think that happens in the movie. I mean, it happens, but doesn't excuse his behavior. Well, I know, but Caleb, you don't mean you know. You don't need to be hung up. You're so hung up on these binaries. Like I'm just. I think this movie is. It's pushing what happens past, in the movie. It's, this movie is pushing past binaries. I'm saying it introduces him as menacing, and he seems like the bad guy. And then it looks under the yeah, surface the and sh- and shows you like, well, maybe there's a I reason know, but you're he's just like this. Past. Uh, Th- that yeah that's the movie 
uh, but well, you're yeah. just blowing past all the bad behavior because it is it is bad. Very bad it is bad behavior. It's very bad. Uh, like he, like they were two East Coast boys. They brought up proper. Now they're wealthy ranchers. Uh, and George, you know, the Jesse Clemens embraces that, and Phil rejects it uh, in due part because he has this idol, uh, another beacon of masculinity. Uh, his name's Bronco Henry. Bronco a Henry, never, a character Bronco we never Henry. see, which adds power and mysticism to the other they, unseen they have, events in the film. They the have film a himself. shrine to his saddle. But you know, Phil's like masculinity is is, is 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 in part is attacking things that are soft and weak. He calls his brother fat so constantly. But when those we are weak movies. It's that's we're introduced him introduced to the other characters. Uh, he sets uh, uh, this beautiful art on fire, uh, uh, yells at other people, uh, establishes his dominance over every everybody av- around him, uh, drives. Uh, so, like, the brothers are drifting apart. That's a big part in the, the beginning of the movie. Uh, and that leads to George, Jesse Plevins, getting, like, a new family in uh, Kirsten Dunst and uh, Cody's movie. Rose and Peter are their characters' names. It's basically bringing two people into that situation. It's a volatile situation. Uh, and there is like a little bit of class divide there too. And Phil is just a cruel, cruel person. He's a very cruel person. But <laughs> That's what I'm saying when he's like using his masculinity. Like he's it's like he's emotional terrorism. He's out yeah. On her. yeah, that's it's, a lot it's, of inexcusable stuff. Extremely rude and mean. Extremely people. rude. He basically drives her to alcoholism. Uh, yeah, he pays in, which like ruins her life. Yes. You know? So, I, so yeah, there is the movie does film gets to like behind that, which makes it a great film, but let's not excuse this horrible behavior. Uh, and I mean, that's part of the movie too. Like when it comes back around uh, again at the end for uh, all his misdoings and too. Uh, but yeah, I would even say like the problem of Rose's alcoholism helps uh, shift that relationship uh, uh, in that Phil even sees uh uh, Peter's reaction to it, uh, or, or sees the alcoholism and wants to like even help Peter. And uh, Peter also, uh, you know, has his own agenda here. That, let's get to the Peter of it all because I think he's the, is the most interesting character. A great performance. The movie turns out to be uh, about him, right? Yeah, a great performance from Cody McPhee. Uh, I hear an Oscar talk. I hope it happens for the young that man. That would be amazing. I, yeah. I, I would be, I would love to see it, but I, I don't know if I expect mm-hmm. to see it. Uh, sensitive scholarly young man awkward in appearance and that makes him easy prey for phil like the whole like it's very like scary like what he's very scared around phil for like the first half of the movie uh and we even get to see like peeks into the depth of uh of peter here uh there's a a very kind of fucked up i guess i didn't think it was that fucked up but people will probably think it's i'll just say bunny scene and you know what i'm talking about mm-hmm. yeah, uh, yeah yeah this is one of those things that, like, we think this kid is like a very innocent victim, but we're really seeing like a character who knows more than what appears. Yeah. Maybe he's like actually kind of a psychopath, yeah. You know, and, and that's and, the, like the, really smart, actually. And that's the great. Thing. And then that, that happens with Phil too. I think it's a, 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 a there is a very pivotal scene. See, this uh, is what I'm saying. Of it's grace like of extending to Phil. Uh, yeah, yeah. It, it, like it's, Phil is uh, so the Benedict Cumberbatch character is menacing, and he's mean. But in term, but in terms of like his actions, the the other guy, Cody Smith McPhee, like he is actually much scarier, you know. And the movie kind of like sets him up in a way like they kind of don't set it up, but they also do set it up in this really good way. It's I a mean, very pivotal scene where uh, uh, he just, uh, I guess we'll talk about it. He spots Phil doing uh, something weird. I guess we could. Uh, it's not a spoiler. Uh, we should. I should. I also wanted to mention before I get too lost in it that 
this is based off of a Thomas Savage novel from 1967. So any like cliches or tropes that you might think you're like, no, this was 1967. They did this way before uh, other th- uh, tropes of this. And that is the uh, gay cowboy trope, I guess I am. Uh, yeah, so right. Okay, so let's just say, out. Caleb, like, okay, from this point on, we will spoil a certain amount of the movie, but we'll try not to spoil all the movie. Yeah, yeah, they're definitely okay. not going to spoil the end, but yeah. So, yeah, of course not. We, of course we won't spoil the end, but like, let's say from this point, and if you decide you want to cut it later, go ahead and cut it. But like, yeah, so this is the thing we're like tiptoeing around is the, it, the movie reveals itself to be a gay cowboy movie, a movie about gay people living in the Old West. And it's very, this is what I'm saying about Benedict Cumberbatch. You learn that he's, the movie's implying that Jesse Plemons and him had some kind of sexual yeah, relationship. I'm not disagreeing with you. I was just waiting to this point to say. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> so it's like basically like Benedict Cumberbatch and Jesse Plemons are, are really brothers. I thought maybe for a while that was a cover story, but I think they literally are brothers. But they also like had a sexual relationship for like a very long time, like well into their adulthood, I guess. And then it's like Jesse Plemons is kind of dumping him to pretend to be straight and marry Kristen Dunst, Kirsten Dunst. And the movie is very like kind of explicit with showing that like, he doesn't really know how to be intimate with a woman and he can't even really kiss her. It's like kind of weird, you know, but then Mm -hmm. he does have sex with her. Okay. And we see Benedict Cumberbatch hearing them have sex. And it's very much for then for a whole bunch of the movie, he's playing like a spurned lover. And so all of a sudden, all of his things to me seemed like excusable in a way, because essentially he's powerless is the thing. Like Jesse Plemons is going to do to him whatever he wants. The parents do whatever they want. Like, so he says some mean shit at dinner. It's like, who cares? Essentially, he is the victim of everyone, you know? I mean, it's playing the victim. That's what he's doing. (laughs) Yeah, well, Uh, he is the victim. I mean, he's been done. He's playing the victim. I mean, mean, that uh, George is also allowed to choose who he wants to be with that's right but you get the feeling he didn't do it in a kind of upstanding way where he like officially broke up with him he just like all of a sudden got married to some lady yeah, you know yeah uh it, 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 it's, it's a scene where uh, you see phil as a more complicated character uh and it was more bronco henry from what i could tell too like they were both uh yeah uh yeah that's the whole bronco henry of it. Like, like, bronco this is eventually you learn taught like, them the, about the 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 West and ranching and, you know, love having making, sex, I guess. I got having um, sex with him and having sex with each other. And, you know, I don't know. Yeah. Uh, it really like makes that performance and the character of Phil, uh, I, th- I think more to me, it felt like a more realistic, what would happen in, uh, for any cowboy, a, a person full of re- resentment, conflict, uh, like secrets inside and going through this torturous inner turmoil, uh, yeah, that's a, that's a more, I think, realistic depiction of Macho than some other bullshit we covered on and here. He's, <laughs> okay, so, and Benedict Cumberbatch's character, he's portrayed as someone who is like, uh, he essentially he's alone and he's lonely because of his homosexuality. He has to be lonely and closed off from everyone as, as, a, as a defense mechanism because he's in this hyper macho world and also because just like nobody's gay, even though they do show him like, Maybe everybody's gay. I don't know. They have these weird scenes where they're all like naked playing oh, in yeah, the river. Like, uh, yeah. But um, so the movie does show That's him out. 
finally give his trust to someone and he is punished for that. So it's basically like it's so tragic because the whole movie is about him being closed off and unable to connect with anyone. And then when he finally allows himself to open up and connect with someone, he is punished for it. So it's like it is pretty rough on this character, yeah, I think. It is, but also like like I said earlier, he's punished for it because uh of things he did earlier in the film. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, he is bad. He's a bad guy. I mean, that is the thing I think this is where I agree with you about it being about toxic masculinity. And like you were saying, like a much more realistic movie about toxic masculinity, because it's showing like, essentially this is a sad person who like, it does has a low opinion of themselves and feels very like frustrated about their mm -hmm. place in the world. And that is what is leading them in some situations to be these like completely like, murderous seeming monsters is this just like curdled self-loathing kind of yeah. thing and i think that uh is a specific uh emotion to play and uh i think they do a great choice cover and uh the great jane campion of just having it be like that being showy he's not really doing like super big outbursts like he's yeah he's not like he's saying bitchy things aren't like being over the top yelling. I think that was really, really cool. And, uh, you know, just made for like much better uh, acting. I mean, a lot watch. of it is even the soundtrack. Like just every time they show him oh, on sure. screen, it's like, it's going like, dun, dun. and like all he's really doing is just like looking to the left. <laughs> you know what I mean? But like, uh, it's it was just... another uh, Johnny Greenwood score. We got a couple of, we got a, um, what did we do other week? Other week had a Johnny Greenwood. Oh, Spencer oh, had a Johnny Spencer. Greenwood. That that score yeah. was a lot more creative and interesting. I thought this mm -hmm. was a lot more kind of. Yeah, this one numbers. needed to be. Uh, I mean, they're both perfect for what the movie's called. Yeah, for. that's <laughs> true. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and that's what score, great scores are. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, I, I do want to mention that Benedict Cumberbatch smears mud all over his dick in one scene. <laughs> it is true. Can't, you kind of see uh, his dick in this scene. Yeah. It seems uh, bigger than I expected. It was like a really <laughs> flop. It goes down past his balls, which I think is one of the good signs, you know. Uh, but yeah, I, I really, I really like this. Uh, I liked, uh, I, I like reading about Jane Campion's work and how she uh, picks projects and stuff. But uh, yeah, I, I was. Well, tell me uh, about that. I don't, I don't know about that. How does she pick projects and stuff? What, what do you mean? Like she doesn't do it a, a ton. Like this is her first. Uh, movie since uh, bright star which was like 2009 yeah and that's even a different kind of that's like yeah, a period before, yeah. romance. And even before that like uh she had a modern movie with i guess uh, the piano is a period romance too i guess that's yeah, like, yeah 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 she shows a lot of like families uh in to show conflict i, I think that's really great and so she's like i mean this is a a, a, a book from 50 years ago uh and maybe she was uh like she, yeah, but you make... I read she was interested in like, yeah, like we were talking about uh, toxic masculinity or masculinity in general and found uh, that to do, which is kind of cool. Um, yeah, it is. I mean, I do think a lot of like Top of the Lake uh, when I think of Jane Campion. Show, yeah. It's a good show. It's a good show, but I think it's a little bit like it's like a it's like a little too bleak for me. It's like very. Oh, I love that, yeah, I think this. And I was like going into this movie and from the trailer, I was expecting that level of bleakness, but mm -hmm. I don't think this movie is that bleak at all. It, no, I really no, don't uh, think it is. Uh, she kept it closer to the actual book, which uh, I mean, it, we did hint at some bleak stuff and there's something. I mean, yeah, bad even, things like, she has happen, a history but... of, yeah. Ever see, ever see Sweetie, her first movie? Uh, no, I no, I never Ooh, did. That one, uh, uh, like, oh, has a horrible ending. It's so, like that one fucked me up ending. The piano, uh, no, she doesn't die in the piano at the end. She I wants to die. They save her. <laughs> right. Uh, 
uh, from the when piano's dragging around under the water. Uh, yeah, in the cut's pretty bad. I, there's like a lot of couples I haven't seen. I've never, I've never seen Holy Smoke or uh, I mean Bright Star ends tragically. Yeah, but it's these about, are all uh, like Keats, romance yeah. tragedies, you know. That it was like, about yeah, that was a true story about Keats' death. Like the, uh, the Titanic isn't a tragedy. I mean, I guess technically it is, but like it's a romance. You know, yeah, it's a romance. Exactly, it's a romance. Um, but yeah, speaking of uh, Top of the Lake, which starred the great People's Champ Liz Moss, um, she was originally supposed to be in this movie. She was a uh, oh, really? character, and uh, Plemons was originally. Uh, Paul Dano, but Paul Dano had to. I love Paul Dano. I love me some Paul Dano. Uh, yeah, I love Paul, Paul Dano had to back out because he's a. Uh, who is he? Uh, Joe Riddler. He's the Riddler. Oh, is he? Know. Fuck, that's so fucking yeah. dumb. Good for him. In in the Robert Pattinson one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's so fucking dumb. I love that so much. Paul Dano, uh, like that's that's what he should be doing. <laughs> Essentially, he's a kind of Jesse Eisenberg figure. I think you know. Paul Dano, Jesse. Uh, there's a little bit more, uh, he's a little he, bit he, better. He, he, he's he better. too. Uh, yeah. I just saw that movie. I went to, I saw that at IFC, like a Q and a that he did. Um, who was in that? Like Jake Gyllenhaal, I think is Jake the star. Of that. Yeah. And, uh, so it was Gary him and Gyllenhaal, Jake yeah. Gyllenhaal doing like a Q and a, and it was really cute because basically, um, Paul Dano was acting like, Oh, I'm just like a regular guy nerd. And I can't believe Jake Gyllenhaal is in this movie that I made. <laughs> and you know, it was fun. It was fun. It's always fun seeing things at IFC like that because, the people who made the movie like look so in context, like they just look like they walked off the street and, you know, they, they look like such New York people. It's really, I always think that's really fun. Yeah. I haven't, I haven't had a good Q and a, or I don't know, like the Q and a, it's just like people, directors talk. Um, yeah. And I'm, I haven't been to one since the pandemic. I used to go to them no, a lot. They haven't had, had many. I've they haven't had, I'm sure they haven't. Right. Um, oh, this is one thing I want to say too, though. You're talking about top of the lake and shit. Like, of course, Jane Campion's from New Zealand. Top of the lake's about New Zealand. Um, this this was movie, in New Zealand. This was filmed in New Zealand, right? Exactly. Yeah, it made it, New Zealand looks like Montana and all that. Like number one, it's like I guess they filmed it during the pandemic, so mm-hmm. New Zealand was like a safe place to be. Um, so, like on that level, it makes sense. But one of the funny things I thought New Zealand is like such an amazing place. That's like, you know, my wife's from New Zealand. I've been, and it's like it looks so amazing. Everything's so crazy. Like it's like a different planet or something. The landscape is very unique and weird. So there is a scene where they're out in the back and Benedict Cumberbatch is talking to the the kid and he's saying like, look at that hill over there. What do you see? But it's not like a fucking hill. It's like some kind of insane geometrically complex, like eight pyramided, like mountainside. (laughs) I was just like laughing my ass off because I was like, this is the most fucking New Zealand looking thing I've ever seen. And I can't believe the dialogue is look at that hill, you know? Sure. Look at the, uh, it's a very important scene too. Uh, uh, um, I don't think it's the title. It could, you could say it's part of the title too. Uh, uh, Says, oh yeah, that's true. Marco yeah. Henry uh, would look at this and say something, but what do you see? And Peter just says, "Oh, that's a dog. It looks like a dog." Uh, he's like, "Wait, you saw that?" And the first like, "No," I was like, "Yeah, I see. I see that." He's like, uh, and I think that's an important scene because it uh, that was like one of the first times, or not? It's a, a, another example of like Peter's ability to look further. Yeah, like and, and impress uh, very easily. Uh, and that's yeah. an important part of the movie is uh, Peter's ability to. Uh, 
to perceive sense something more out, like look further than what is actually there. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I like I like the title. Um, uh, Great. I, I did wait for like what to what was the meaning, and there is like a more overt reference. to They it. basically from, completely from, overtly tell yeah, you the it's meaning. From, it's of from it. the Bible. Yeah. It's from uh, the Book of Psalm. Uh, Deliver my soul from the sword, my darling, from the power of the dog, and that refers to uh, dogs as uh, scavengers, uh, uh, dogs who prey on on weak. Uh, uh, yeah, I think that was a, a, a very well, a very poetic title, but also like can refer to uh, t- the two characters that we mostly discussed here. <laughs> yeah, I was yeah, trying yeah. to talk about mostly those two characters, but I think uh, Kristen Dunst is, is is great in this movie. Too. She's good. Uh, she has she some really it, good scenes, you know. Uh, yeah, she wears her distress of uh, alcoholism until like you get to see it wearing on her, wearing on her until it like fully wears on her, and she like has a embarrassed breakdown. Oh my God. she's under like a shit. huge amount of pressure it's very sad yeah yeah, yeah no she then, does a she does a really good job of just seeming like so out of place but like trying so hard to figure out how to fit in it's so tragic and just like mm-hmm. really good naturedly trying her best to fit in with everybody and feeling like he, she just is failing and feeling so sad about it um which is great i mean it was really great to see I love Kristen. I love Kristen Dunst. She's had such an interesting career the last couple of years. And I, I, you know, I know it's hard for women in Hollywood to get any kind of projects. So the fact that she has like done the stuff that she's done, I think is so amazing. Like I'm a big fan of on becoming a God in central Florida, which I like know nobody sure. but me watched, but it was really good. I watched. You watched it. Okay. You are. Of course you watched yeah. it. We talked but like, about and it when, also uh, can I say, I, was in a... I don't mean this. I I don't know of a way to say this that doesn't sound bad, but let me say, I think she's like my age, almost exactly. Kirsten Dunst. And I think she is very admirably just looks like a person who is her own age, you know? And I, I think that's so rare in Hollywood and it takes so much courage and self-confidence. And I'm not trying to say she, I'm not trying to say anything negative at all. I'm completely honestly saying, I think it's rad that she just like looks like a person who is the age that she is. Sure, sure, sure. That is a very rare thing. Uh, I almost suggested. Oh, I think I did suggest, but we didn't do it. Uh, there's another movie that she's a revisionist western from Sofia Coppola, The Beguiled, which oh, kind of yeah. has a similar ending to uh, thing. But yeah, uh, I almost said we should from, do like, that because I've I've never seen it, and I I really wanted to. It's not bad. It's a, a good. Uh, it was when Colin Farrell wasn't everything that, that we. Oh, Colin Farrell and Nicole Kidman and everything. But to make a bit of a segue, Caleb, one thing I wanted to make sure that we were getting in the in the pairing was a kind of like this because there is this uh, the power of the dog. On many levels, is like a gay movie. You know, it is a movie about. Let's say it's a movie about the intense relationship between two men and the kind of like you know, fascination, repulsion, attraction, destruction relationship between two men. And I think that is also what a lot of our next movie is about. Uh, So I thought that was a really good, I thought that was a really smart idea by you. And I actually, as I was watching this other movie, I was like, these movies go together so good. Like this is fucking rules. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's true. Uh, Yeah. uh, It's the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford. I honestly believe I'm destined for great things, Mr. James. You're giving me signs that make me wonder. Maybe your mind's been changed about me. Can't figure it out. You want to be like me? Or you want to be me? A cinematically told true enough story of the film's title, The Assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford, 
is interested in fabulizing the legend of one Jesse James and shaming the reputation of the man who killed him, Robert Ford. It's in the title. And you know what? That rules. Uh, the obviousness the title alludes to allows for attention as we watch Brad Pitt as Jesse James, famous outlaw, go through the motions of paranoia as he waits for an end. He even seems as he even sees as inevitable. We also get to know the fresh face and Jesse James worshiping Robert Ford, aka Bob, uh, played by Casey Affleck in Awkward Ashuk's Glory and Don't Call Me Kid Guile. Uh, director Andrew Dominic embellishes the legend by keeping it down to earth, placing an outsized character in the real world and aided by a Malick-esque strew of shots of the wheat and the sky. And it's filmed impeccably by our great hero, Roger Deakins, who got an Oscar nomination here. Uh, throw out another Oscar nomination for Casey Affleck and a completely aces cast. And we got ourselves an underrated classic one whose reputation continues to go. Chris, did you also forget James Carville was in this? I 100% had forgotten James yeah. Carville was in this movie, and I think literally wrote in my notes, I forgot James Carville was in this movie. <laughs> and at first it seems like... He, I know, I did too. It's so fucking dumb. He's playing like the governor of Missouri. Yeah. <laughs> you know? At first I thought it was just a speech, but then he has a full dialogue scene with yeah. Brad Pitt, or not with, with uh, Casey Affleck, yeah, Casey, yeah, yeah. and Sam Rockwell... <laughs> Which is fucking so dumb. But the cast of this movie, I totally forgot what a like hot movie for young actors this was. And it's not just because like not only was Brad Pitt starring in this movie, but he like produced this movie. Mm -hmm. So it's like a very good thing to be doing for your career. So we've got it's 2007. Keep in mind, too. So a lot of these people yeah. were not famous in the way they are now. It's true. But we have Jeremy Renner. We have um, Sam Rockwell, of course. Uh, Casey Affleck, Paul Schneider, which Paul Schneider, I totally forgot the, about. Um, he was he, uh, he was in Bright Star. James Campion's Bright Star too. He was in Bright Star, and then he was in Parks and Rec, like right after this, and then mm -hmm, his career just mm -hmm. like ground to a halt. <laughs> no, it's like, weird. Yeah, he's been in some indie stuff, but yeah, uh, I like this the sister, but yeah, not not a lot. Uh, I just yeah, read some I, interview with him the other day where he was doing talking about all this weird stuff where he was saying it's like Hollywood sucks. Like you know, I I don't want to do some dumbass movie because he came like, up with. Uh, uh, David Gordon Green, who's making Hollywood. Well, exactly. You think or, David yeah. Gordon Green would have him in one of his movies? Like he's a good actor, and people like him. You know. Yeah, he wrote, uh, co-wrote uh, the great uh, uh, All the Real Girls. Uh, yeah, yeah. That's very weird. Uh, but it is yeah, cool. I mean, especially Jeremy Renner in this movie. You're like, oh my god, he's so young. He mm -hmm. looks so weird. You know. And, yeah. Uh, Garrett Dillahunt, the actor I, I really enjoy, is in this movie. Uh, Pat Healy is on it at one point. Uh, then you have the great Sam, Sam Shepard, Shepard, right? Yeah, yeah. of course. Zoe uh, Deschanel. Yeah. Uh, Zoe uh, Deschanel uh, comes uh, in like literally in the last 10 minutes of the mm -hmm. movie, Zoe Deschanel comes in. And uh, it's, again, we're saying it's 2007. Like, uh, this is when Pitt was starting to like produce a fuck ton of shit. Like, he produced The Departed the year before, and the same year, this same year, he produced. Uh, uh, Year of the Dog, the Mike White movie. Uh, so cool. Crazy. And then, so uh, cool. I think about Go ahead. Oh, he has good taste. Brad Pitt has good yeah. taste. I think it's, it's like uh, Plan B. Yeah, he seems to be and to to behave a little bit like Robert Ford for a minute. He does seem. I have always thought like I would get along with Brad Pitt. He seems like genuinely like a cool, chill guy that just wants to like smoke pot and just hang oh, out. Yeah, yeah. You know, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Hear a lot. Uh, when you do a stern interview, you want to do a stern interview. And he, uh, like, they asked him about running for governor. He's like, if I did, I'd legalize so many drugs. Uh, 
I'm super like I, I would be I'd, I'd be so anti against uh, Republican ideals. Uh, so it was awesome. And then you know we just talked about drugs the rest of the time. I mean, he's giving <laughs> such an amazing performance in in this movie. And I, I was look I was looking at the dates, and uh, I I really love like old Brad Pitt, like the old guy that Brad Pitt has become. And I think this is definitely like the birth of old Brad Pitt because he's still yeah, doing right. young so, Brad Pitt stuff. Yeah. Like he's in um, burn after reading like the next year, which is like very, I mean, it's that's old Brad that's Pitt a, stuff, but it's like that's young going against uh, type two. in that movie a little bit too. He gets to actually act in that one too. He's amazing. And yeah. And Benjamin button comes after this movie too, which is crazy. Sure. But I think him, this, like, an Oscar thing. I think it's, sure. this was him like trying on this persona of this kind of, because a lot of this movie that his character of Jesse James and, and the plot of the movie, it's kind of about, you know, being trapped and being famous and be, not being unable to get out of it. And, and you do get the sense oh, that Brad sure. Pitt sees something of, he can identify with in, in that. And like the way that it makes human connection impossible because everybody has all these assumptions about you before you even get in the room and you can't, you can't even just talk to someone like they, they, they think they know everything about you from the newspaper. You know what I mean? Yeah. It's uh, yeah. So uh, yeah, it's a very good matchup. It's a very big movie star energy uh, too. Uh, it's the end of Jesse James. Uh, uh, he's done all his legendary shenanigans and, uh, shenanigans. I mean, come on, you really shenanigans. <laughs> and uh, the film concentrates on the, like the decline. It's that's the movie is about the, uh, his, his end. Uh, very interesting. Which, that decline uh, itself uh, allows for a young scamp like Robert Ford to cozy up and get close enough to him. And that fil- the film is really about the, inter- the interactions between the two title characters. And it makes for a very peculiar, uh, like not, it's weird that this was like a Warner Brothers distributed movie. <laughs> really, it's awesome. It uh, is. I mean, there uh, is almost a gay undertone to it. Like there is something, they <laughs> even say yeah. it. It's like in one point, and there's a lot of voiceover in this movie. Um, Robert Ford says, "Like he would look at me with these sad eyes, as if we shared some deep connection." Oh, and yeah. you do get the sense by a certain point in the movie, Brad Pitt. I mean, again, it's like exactly like what I was saying with Power of the Dog. The whole thing is Jesse James is closed off. He can't connect with any people because he's too famous, and also he is actually kind of a crazy murderer. Also, he has a problem mm-hmm. where he he has uh, a problem where he is a crazy murderer, and he yeah, wishes he wasn't confident guy who's also a socio psychopath right, exactly uh and then hangs out with this moon-faced wannabe outlaw who worships and fears him simultaneously and yeah. that person ultimately kills him uh it's cool we don't have to spoil that because it's in the guy it's in the title <laughs> right it's in the title it's so you kind, know it's, what's gonna it's happen kind of a, a weird movie they have like but all these like it's two and a half hours long and they two, string out all that honestly like, it flies i think like if it, it doesn't mm-hmm. seem two and a half hours it really goes along pretty good um, but it's uh, again, yeah. it's like it's like it's like Power of the Dog, where he he can't connect with anyone, but as soon as he lets himself connect with someone, he's punished for it, you know, and something, you know, and he gets murdered by Robert Ford. But it's like obviously mm-hmm. in the movie, it does the killing in this really interesting way, that where it's like basically he is asking Robert Ford to kill him, and in fact, it's like it's almost like Robert Ford doesn't have a choice but to kill him because it's uh, just, yeah, the, it's what Jesse wants to happen and if he doesn't do it then something bad is going to happen you know uh he reads the tea leaves he's uh he, he he's been paranoid this whole time he knows exactly who he wants around him uh so to a point he does like invite the two ford brothers the other ford brother is great sam lockwell here uh, uh and he knows that uh like he even gives him the gun what <laughs> that kills him uh and it's a, a great shot uh in the history of great roger deacon shots uh uh the moment right before uh jesse gets shot is uh 
like he knows like he's so beautiful he's hanging up a picture so beautiful uh, and of course he sees the reflection in the whole time he's like yeah this is happening he's fine with it well i mean they set up earlier in the movie where he is i mean it's actually so well done he's out with sam rockwell and he's like you ever consider suicide <laughs> and they have a, like a long conversation about how jesse is suicidal basically and wants to die and then he doesn't literally commit suicide but he he assures that he is killed you know <laughs> Which is very interesting. And then also, of course, that plants the seed in Sam Rockwell's mind about suicide as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and Sam Rockwell's like, no, I, no, I guess I always just had something else I want to do. <laughs> you know? Uh, then it also, on the flip side of the Jesse James character, I, I, and let's, let's talk about your Oscar nominee here, uh, Casey Affleck. Casey. 2007. What a, what a year for Casey Affleck. He was kind of like his only like bigger things before that, uh, besides oh. Jerry, which no one saw, uh, was the Oceans movies, really. Uh, and the th- in 2007, the third the third Oceans movie came out. Uh, he was got to play this Oscar nominated role for Robert Bob Ford. Uh, and then Gone Baby Gone came out that same year, which he started. Yeah. Uh, great movie. Uh, so he got really established that year, you know. And he became yeah, they're very good Oscar performances. Yeah, he's very yeah. very good in this movie. He's giving he's very, a very, very complicated. Good. I mean, it's kind of an intellectual. It, in a way, it's totally guileless, but in another way, it's like very calculated the performance that he's giving you know mm-hmm. he's, he has to play like a 20 year old too uh, like a young yeah. kid who, who who's eager but also uh like yeah like i said he has to be afraid of him and then there's a whole after it like they don't just stop end the movie with the the the, the assassination uh the assassination is it goes on uh, afterwards in this yeah. man's life where he's like has this reputation so he's the guy who killed uh, like it's in the title. He's he's referred to as coward. <laughs> well, there's he this in the interesting. Back. He shot him in the back, right? The movie does this really interesting thing where it's doing a. There's this kind of connection between the two of them, and then there's kind of like a, you know, so like you're saying, Casey Affleck is obsessed with Jesse James, and now he's friends with Jesse James. So he keeps he has all this stuff that he knew as a little kid, where he's like, oh, we're similar because like our daddies had the same job, and you know, we you got this oh, many. His, uh, you're the youngest, and I'm the youngest. Longer, and, yeah. And it's, yeah, so he has this whole thing. But then the movie after that scene starts playing with doubling, like very explicitly, where like there's a scene where they're wearing exactly the same outfit and they're like kind of laying around in the same way. And then later on, after he kills Jesse James, Bob Ford has all the same problems that Jesse James had, like, like literally all exactly the same problems. He's he's too rich. He has nothing to do. He can't connect with anyone. He's very sad. And then eventually he randomly gets killed by someone, you know. Yeah, uh, I think someone says uh, Jesse says to him, "You want to? What do you want to be me t- at one point?" But yeah, uh, yes, and he is. And they he do, uh, literally becomes Jesse James. Yeah, th- they do a great job of uh, when Jesse James dies. There's all this acclaim, and they talk about uh, how the photo is uh, got sold so many times, and people drove all to go see the body, and his people paid to see in his houses, and then they repeat all that when. Uh, uh, Bob, Robert Ford dies because they said none of that happened. Wow. <laughs> Everyone so was, this... uh, but the person who killed him actually got off uh, 10 years later. <laughs> so they got him right out of jail because so many people wanted him out of jail because they <laughs> thought it wasn't a crime to kill Robert Ford. Mm-hmm. Completely deranged American behavior. Uh, uh-huh. And as, as, uh, uh, as part of revisionist Western canon, uh, like this is just a movie about an outlaws, uh, like, uh, his mind at the end of his life and like all the thoughts he has and uh, his uh, almost like an esoteric uh, what uh, 
outlaw movie. Well, because uh, there is, is it's still a western. It's kind of awesome. That it's, it's, it's there is like maybe the it. first. I totally agree with you. And maybe for the first like half of the movie, really, maybe even a little longer than that. The Brad Pitt is playing, and the movie is presenting Jesse James as like okay. Occasionally, he has these reflective moments, and he they show him crying and stuff. But like. Uh, for a lot of it, he's like a supervillain. Basically, he's like beating people up. He's acting like so unpredictable. Everybody's terrified of him. He like kills one of his oh, yeah. friends in this really bad way. And like, it's he does seem like a like a monster, like a complete like he's like the fucking Riddler or something, right? Like he's like unhinged. He's the Joker. But um, then it does well, like problematize that a lot, like complicate that. Um, which is very interesting and makes the movie very interesting in, in mm-hmm. the way that it is. But like, I, I have kind of forgotten that. I thought the whole thing was at a certain is, point in the movie, I'm thinking I was like, I can't believe that the first time I watched this movie, when Jesse James died, I like was sympathizing with him and felt sorry for him. Like this guy's a fucking monster. And then it did. I, we got around to that by the time he got killed. And I was like, Jesus yeah. Christ, this movie. Uh, like he, there are some Robin Hood type qualities to what he did about st- giving giving back, uh, but also like he he ruled through like talk about masculinity. He ruled through uh, being like the biggest cock out there and being like uh, yeah, killing his yeah. friends and uh, using intimidating people. To, to, people to are just but afraid of him all the time. Little, little guy, yeah, yeah. And it was also I thought it was interesting they didn't show uh, his brother that much afterwards. Brother probably I don't know about Frank James, but not as uh, popular as they Jesse, made it seem like he just didn't start with the same letter as last name as I assumed. yeah. So he just can't Frank be famous. James. Yeah, that's gonna be as a Chris Chafin. I do often feel like <laughs> I like I heard somebody say like if you're a white guy and your first and last name start with the same letter and you're not famous, like it's your own fault. <laughs> and I too kind of feel that sometimes, you know. <laughs> Um, Uh, i don't know yeah it's a really good movie it is like the rod it's beautifully shot like you were saying like i think the train robbery sequence Mm -hmm. i mean it's very over the top but it's like it's so beautiful uh, it's so beautiful to look at yeah like jesse James silhouetted against the smoke and the moonlight you know yeah a lot of uh a dark with light powering through uh like tons of just natural lighting choices they made uh, and a lot of a lot of lantern use too, in the, or candles to light the scenes, which is wow, fucking sick. Uh, uh, and then he used uh, for the like transition stuff. He used uh, uh, he invented uh, like a blurry flame thing. Uh, I was reading about this called the deaconizer, I think is what he called it, <laughs> uh, which is like you put old antique frames on a modern camera, uh, and you got this like cool blurry frame frame effect for like a vintage feel. Uh, yeah, take that CGI. He's using old shit uh, that he cleaned himself. You're talking about sort of the old timey look that it has. And I will say one of it's it's kind of not exactly fair to call it a weakness. But one of the things that maybe I didn't love about the movie is it does have the kind of vaguely old timey, sweaty out west look. You know, it's maybe from 2007 that became like a really big kind of cliche and not just in like movies, but in like reality cooking shows and in like um commercials and you know the logos of whiskey brands like this whole kind of thing was such a thing for such a long time that it is kind of funny to be dropped back into an artifact of it except that this thing is actually like really good and has nothing to do with any of that bullshit but it kind of was like it kind of played into that whole like aesthetic like if if you have any idea what i'm talking about kind of yeah 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 um 
they you know where it's like uh that look like our whiskey bottles today yeah. you know people in like sweaty like really sweaty and they're wearing white shirts but their collars are really dirty you know and they've got them like undone halfway but then they've got like a really stylish looking hat on you know and yeah, like bulls, big bulls, cool yeah. boots you know and like that's just like a, facial hair it's all kind of yellowed and you know i don't know yeah bands commercials reality cooking shows i feel like this is very common uh another when i was doing another cool thing when i was doing research uh i liked this a lot uh brad pitt had it written into his contract that the studio could not change the name of the film that fucking rolls dude yeah i don't know you know go ahead go ahead i was just gonna say andrew dominic who doesn't make that many movies he made killing them softly with bad brad pitt uh shortly after that and then he made uh, speaking of people from this movie, uh, he made One More Time with Feeling, the Nick Cave documentary, which is outstanding. Uh, yeah, Nick Cave's in this movie. He sings a song. It's, again, a weird movie. <laughs> so great. And it's so great. That whole scene is so great. Like, it's a song about what a piece mm-hmm. of shit Robert Ford is. And He's then right Casey Affleck is like, I'm Robert Ford, you motherfucker. Oh, and then he like falls over drunk and cannot stand up again. And it, Casey Affleck plays it so well, the way he's like slipping around and stuff. Mm-hmm. That's sad. great. Uh, I was a big really into, and still am, obviously, is uh, Nick Cave is an amazing artist. Him and Warren Ellis did uh, a couple other uh, scores. Mm-hmm. Uh, I didn't really remember, so I, I only seen this movie once, uh, in, like when it came out in 2007. And I just kept waiting for Nick Cave's in this movie, right? Nick Cave's in this movie. He's going to come <laughs> up. And it doesn't happen until the end. It's like, oh, there, there. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny, yeah. I yeah, it's like Jarvis Cocker in, a, <laughs> in, uh, in the Wes Anderson movie, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Did you see the front dispatch? I haven't I seen it yet. No, up. I got to go see it. I got to go see it. Jarvis does a pop-up. I love oh, that. Uh, there's a pop-up in this movie, uh, another besides uh, Nick Cave, besides James Carville. Uh, <laughs> but this is also based off of uh, a book uh, titled The Assassination of Robert Ford uh, by the Coward. So that station of Jesse James by the Coward, Robert Ford. I have to get it right because I love saying it. Um <sighs> <laughs> uh, but the, uh, the the author has a pop- Ron Hansen. Uh, he, he's a uh, just pops up in the movie. That's oh, that's cool. <laughs> As what? Who is he in the movie? Uh, uh, a frontier reporter, like just one of the. Oh, okay. Yeah. So I, like I probably there's a crowd those, yeah. of. <laughs> there's a big crowd of reporters. Yeah, I've done that kind of background work in my life. Yeah, <laughs> it's pretty fun. Pretty fun. Um, I mean, I don't know. Oh well, okay. Again, I know I've said this like ten times this episode. Cut this out if you want. But like. I feel like we're kind of not talking about the elephant in the room, which is that Casey Affleck has been like permanently canceled. I, I don't even remember. He has. Yeah. No, he, uh, I mean, he's is in a movie this year. Is he really? Yeah. Hmm. He, uh, had, he had actually one of the better responses to the whole situation where, uh, he first he made it worse. And then he went away for a bit and said, I completely apologize. I look at my behavior from it now. And I, uh, I'm embarrassed in, uh, 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 uh he he just had a good apology. Yeah, he he's a good guy. Yeah, that's he, good. I mean, still, that's good. He's still in stuff. Yeah, I I, I, I he didn't did know he away. I didn't know he was doing more projects. Uh, I remember just that he had gone. There's away. a movie called uh, Every Breath You Take from this year, uh, and then uh, he. I mean, I like Light of My Life a lot. That was uh, like 2019. Uh, but yeah, he did some more indie stuff. But yeah, nothing as big as Manchester by the Sea, unless you count. Triple nine, which I kind of liked. <laughs> Actually, didn't super like, but it was a good action shoot 'em up. The ghost story was 2017. That was another thing that after he got canceled, he was. A... <laughs> but yeah, he didn't get canceled. He just chose to like not be as famous, which is the right thing to do. And 
he didn't he was a director what it was he was a director of a movie where he let things go on that he said i, I definitely shouldn't have I, uh, I let other people do it so he didn't himself actually do anything and he didn't get canceled <laughs> well okay there you go there you go i i thought he had gone away for forever but of course like everybody who's supposedly canceled he doesn't go away for very long at all uh, at least he uh apologized and said he was wrong and which is good nom- which is good nominated for a grammy and you know yesterday. like i um you just have to believe in a human being's ability to learn and grow and you know especially a person who's a young man especially yeah, if they're um, in a crazy situation of being like so rich and famous beyond the dream of like 99 percent of everybody who's ever lived they think it might behave in ways that are really bad and that they would look back on with a lot of re- regret and it's great to hear someone ex- express that kind of growth and perspective. And I mean, you just have to hope that's what everybody is capable of doing. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, like it's a uh, 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 Frank Sinatra. If we heard, we hear, we hear stories about his behavior and all these other like old things and like, they're not canceled. They're just canonized. Just, they're just like little as canonized. It's a, uh, uh, if you deserve it to, to go to, if you're not sincere in your, uh, apologies or your uh, actions then don't come back uh don't do these things because it still leaves a scar that people are healing but yeah people grow and are better mm-hmm. and yeah. uh, i didn't listen to that louis ck album but I, prob- I, I probably will <laughs> do you really think you will uh who knows who's to say i mean i was very not. interesting i i wouldn't even i wasn't even considering it but i, I mean, didn't even know it, it came out i know i didn't know it came out either i had no idea so caleb do you want to say like Let's pick you. Ha- so let's say you had to pick one of these two movies where you would be ruthlessly killed in the old west. Yeah, I uh, don't want it to happen. Uh, but you know, I did uh, enjoy my watch of the assassination of Jesse James by the coward Robert Ford a lot. I uh, I knew I liked it <laughs> as a movie I saw before, uh, but uh, yeah, I just felt like just a nice piece of art. Uh, and th- yeah, I, I, I was thrown off that it said Warner Brothers and uh, it was early plan B. It's like, uh, it's just astounding that it's this thing. Um, that being said, and how much of a good movie it is, and I, I even said it's a, a new classic movie. Uh, this Power of the Dog shit, holy crap, man. It's my favorite movie this year so far. Uh, we'll see what's up, Licorice Pizza. But um, yeah, Power of the Dog just uh, blew my socks off. Uh, I, I'm Performance wise, uh, Jane Campion wise, of just how she. Uh, just really understands that intersection of uh, impulse and uh, danger. And uh, 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 big Cody Smith McPhee fan. I'm going to pay attention to this young man's career. Uh, oh, I didn't even mention that the uh, cinematographer. Uh, her name's uh, Ari Wegner, uh, Australian young young woman. Uh, she uh, did the cinematographer Zola this year, and that's two crazy credits for a year to have. Uh, so good for her and. Uh, yeah, these are high, these are highly visual directors she's working with. She also did uh, Peter Strickland's In Fabric, which is great. Um, but yeah, Power of the Dog, just so much. Still uh, 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 unwinding it in my head. Uh, I absolutely loved it. Coming to Netflix. We, uh, we forgot to do the plug for Netflix. Uh, December 1st, you could watch it. I was going to say, <laughs> so I, I also liked Power of the Dog a lot. A lot, and even more than I expected to. And, and in, a, in a different way than, than I expected to. But I, 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 there were some things about it that just occasionally struck me as a little false and took me out of it in a way I didn't really like that much. And I'm not saying a lot, and I think a lot of it is just kind of world building at the beginning of the movie. But it's just kind of, it kind of some of the scenes have that kind of like, 
backstory. There's not backstory in this movie at all. Yeah. Yeah. And, and like it kind of some of the scenes that some of the interiors kind of have this bad like digital video look that I don't really like. Yeah, it's probably some of the COVIDness of it too. Yeah. Yeah, some of the COVID. And there's like, you know, scenes in an old West with old West prostitutes like acting like, you know, I don't know, like somebody just they just came from the wardrobe trailer and they were like, okay, just act like an old timey prostitute. <laughs> They're like fanning themselves weirdly or something. Or it's just it looks and when it's on digital video and like it just looks not great, I think. Um, which isn't to say everything in the assassination of Jesse James is, is perfect either. I don't, I don't think it is. And I, I think there's something about the power of the dog. That's like, it's such a tight taut little plot. It is almost like a, like a short story you would read in the New Yorker or something and be so glad to have found it, you know, because it's, it's telling this very kind of twisty, but very laid back story that is very, you know, satisfying and intriguing and just kind of starts at point A and goes to point B, even though it doesn't really seem that, 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 that that's what's happening for so much of the time but the, that, that is what's happening you realize eventually um having said that i still gotta i gotta take the other one i think actually when when i dialed up the movie i think i texted you say, today say the, say the full title say the full title the assassination of jesse james by the coward of robert <laughs> ford i was like oh i fucking totally forgot this movie it was two hours and 40 minutes yeah. that's wild and i did fast forward like a tiny bit but just like a <laughs> little little bit here and there um, I know it's blasphemous to do something like that. I heard you gasp. Yeah, I know. But like, um, I've seen it before. It's okay. <laughs> um, I was, I was just really surprised all over again about what a sympathetic human performance Brad Pitt is is giving, and how, um, just how much. Um, I, I really love the way violence is portrayed in in this movie, and and I guess also in Power of the Dog, which is it's not in like some kind of heightened environment. It's like just regular people in a regular situation. And then somebody like shoots somebody and, and then there's like a dead body there and you got to do something with it. You know, mm-hmm. there is cool. Yeah. Uh, there's some headshots in it. And yeah, cool shit. But I, but I think that's what, this is what's scary to me about, about violence is that it can just happen in a regular situation with people, you know, mm-hmm. that then all of a sudden you, one of the, somebody might kill you, you know, like that is what I think this movie gets across in a way that's really interesting. Um, and I haven't seen a million times in other things. I mean, it's kind of like the Sopranos is like that or whatever, but this movie is also does it very well because it's kind of sad. It's mostly a sad movie about depressed men, but they happen to be like train robbers, you know, it's a, a very specific and interesting, uh, depiction of fame, uh, yeah. that, uh, Andrew Dominic and Brad Pitt at all, uh, portray here. It's a, it's a great film. It's, it's both these film. movies, uh, 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 yeah, uh, uh, they fit together weirdly snugly, especially in the uh, revisionist Western uh, genre. Uh, so, uh, yeah, good. There's no wrong answer there. Uh, <laughs> Thank you. Thank you very it, much. And could do this again in 20 years to see how uh, both these movies are still holding up. Because I imagine they will be both holding up uh, as well. Caleb, I'm gonna I'm gonna call it, brother. I think that's it. I think we did it. Yeah. Is that cool? It's it. It's done. It's did. Okay. What a great time it was talking to you. Thank you so much for suggesting this pairing. Again, a fucking genius masterstroke by Caleb. It's very good. Yeah. Uh, uh, I, I, what did I originally want to do? Some bullshit probably. I don't know. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but they, they, the, the themes connect really well because I do think I don't want to ignore power of the dog as a gay movie. Like it, that is truly what it's about. You know, I wanted to do broke, broke back. 
Which oh, right, right, right back. That's yeah. just so on the nose, right? It's, it's like the first thing nose, you yeah. think of when you and think it's not, of it. Uh, revisionist. It's more like the neo Western of just a set modern time, right? Because it's set like in the seventies or something. Although yeah. one interesting thing we didn't talk about about Power of the Dog is that it's set in the twenties, which is like mm-hmm. um, it's like the end. It's the very very end of the old West. Um, I actually was thinking a lot about the video game Red Dead Redemption. I don't know if you've uh-huh. played that. Not no. Red Dead Redemption two, but the first one, um, which takes place in like nineteen eleven, and it's got this similar thing. It's like um, the end of the West. A certain kind of person there isn't space for in society oh, sure, anymore. Sure. You know, and it's like, yeah, the, the the juxtaposition of seeing a cowboy and a car together, you know, that like emotionally, they don't seem like they should go together and you know which one of them wins, you know? So it's like when you, it's so tragic to see these men that are like, have mastered their world, but then it's like the world completely changed and there was nothing they could do about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you just reminded me and I, we should end the episode that yeah. Uh, yeah, how yeah. much... Uh, both these things remind me of Deadwood, and I can't believe I didn't talk about. Oh Deadwood. yeah! Oh my God! Yeah, right. You're Dylan Hunt to Deadwood. There's the connection. You're Dylan Hunt. Oh my God! Deadwood is a movie. Okay, I got my Deadwood out of my system. Great, good job. All right, everybody. Deadwood out my system. Bye. Peace. In your notes, did you have to write down the? Did you write down the title the whole time? No, no, definitely not. Uh, I, even I the title is just assassination. <laughs> um, I did just for the sake of fucking <laughs> <laughs> masochist. Time, I was like, you know what? I'm just gonna... Well, the fun, first time I did, it, I wrote JJ and RF. <laughs> That's even spelled. worse. But then uh, every time I was, I just spelled it out because I thought it was funny. <laughs> <laughs> That's fun. That's fun. I'm glad you're having fun.